0: So, does your career energize you with life? Or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers, where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. This week's episode with human development consultant and entrepreneur Daniel Pitlick is a doozy. It is power packed with incredibly valuable and immediately actionable nuggets of wisdom and advice, power packed, I promise you. One of the best pieces of advice that Daniel shares is this idea of taking small steps, many of them, like thousands of them to help you get to where you want to be. I love that idea for its sheer simplicity. And because so many of us so often tend to look for and focus on that one big giant step that we hope will move us forward. Furthermore, Daniel offers us some fantastic counsel about what it might ultimately take to make that final leap after you've taken all those small steps, and that is to shut, close the door behind you, like deadbolt it. There will likely be a time when you'll need to move forward without the security of a fallback option because from his perspective and experience. If you don't, chances are you'll end up falling back on that exact option. I love that. And I love this conversation. So without further ado, please allow me to introduce you to Daniel Pitlick. Daniel, question number one for you. Do you ever think about the concept of purpose or mission or even what it is I'm meant to be doing here on this planet?
1: I don't. Put it in those words, and I know that's very corporate to say, "What's your mission?" But I'm very conscious of why the hell am I here, and it's it's probably even more so an issue. Like, what should I be doing? I have less time left. <laughs> what right. should I be doing with my time left?
0: Yeah, and how? Um, where have you sort of netted out with that idea of why it is that you're here?
1: Well, you know, it, I, maybe it's convenient for me, but. I've, I've answered it by saying my work is my mission,
0: yep. and
1: I, I, sometimes I don't know if that's a cop-out, so I, I sit with that myself, but in my work, I'm able to help people and assist them to get past obstacles they have, and so I go home at the end of the day feeling like I've done something good. I've made a contribution of some sort, yep. and for me, I justify my job as my mission. I don't really know if that's the true answer or maybe there's much more and I just haven't got there yet. So it's it's something i grapple with. I, I have a cool job, but I don't know if I should be doing more than that.
0: Yeah, so Daniel, can you tell the listeners what is it that you do today?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm a guy that goes into companies and I help them in a variety of ways. I help people learn how to speak in front of groups. I help them deal with conflict. I help people develop their leadership style. I do a lot of work that helps the humans in the organization be more effective and largely by being better humans and learning how to engage with others in good situations and in difficult situations. So because of that, I get to do a lot of stuff that people come leave and say, wow, that was so helpful. I feel better. Or now I have a plan. And I know I'm helping people. The question is for me, is that my ultimate good? Yep. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you know that answer. I, I generally feel good, but there's times that I go, could I be doing more or should, or should I do something different next? Cause I don't know what next is for me either.
0: Yeah, so let's dig into this for a second. So when did you first come to the realization that this idea of um, helping people uh, present themselves better, uh, deal with various situations, was your objective?
1: Yeah, so it, was, it wasn't always that clear. And uh, if, if you want, I'm happy to just give you my path a little bit. Yeah, please. I, uh, so, I listen, I'm a guy from the Northeast. I, I went to liberal arts school. I thought I was going to help help the planet by eradicating waste and cleaning up pollution. And I was very environmentally conscious. I, I spent one winter in California and realized, wow, winter means you put a sweatshirt on. <laughs> and I was committed immediately. I was like, I want to live here. And then I had to get a job here. And I got a job as a writer. And I was a writer for TV cartoons, so the, the Popples, Dennis the Menace, the Care Bears, Rainbow Bright, uh-huh. these things. So that was my job. And, and even though it was a fun job and it paid the bills, it wasn't ultimately that satisfying to me. And I had to find my next gig, and my next gig happened to be in a PR firm. And I, did, I didn't know much of what a PR firm was or what it did, but I knew they advocated on companies and people's interests, and I thought, oh, this will be interesting, and I did that for a number of years, and I worked for a couple global PR firms and was doing quite well, and yet I was not satisfied. I, I cared about my clients as individuals, and I cared about the people I worked with, but I really didn't care if one company trumped the other. It, it, didn't, it didn't touch me at a deep level. Yep. It did not matter. And, you know, there's so many companies out there competing, does it really matter if one wins versus the other? I didn't care. Yep. And I was, I was dissatisfied and before my 30th birthday, for two years before my 30th birthday, I thought, I'm going to get trapped in a career where I really don't care. It's interesting, but I don't really care about it so much. Yeah. And I had great angst and I imagine many people who listen to this broadcast have angst, like what, what should I be doing? And very fortuitous one of my clients was a client that was in the business of organizational change so when, when people yep. come to get when companies buy someone else and you hear about these huge mergers they usually end poorly by the way most people leave the, the company's right. unique selling proposition is diluted and two years or three years later you can find only remnants even though they spent billions of dollars for them and one of my clients was in this business to try to make that work better. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? I, I, I didn't know this was a business. And they said, oh, yeah, you, if you really learn to connect with the people and you get them involved and you do all these smart things that humans would do if they took the time, you can make these things work better. And that was my, that was my introduction to the world of training and development, organizational development that I live in now. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. How does someone learn that? <laughs> right, right. And and I didn't know. I mean, I really didn't know. But I I saw, I said, that's a much cooler job than the job I have.
0: Interesting. So I'm going to come back to this in a second. What happened, you said you started off with kind of this environmentally conscious person. Yes. Was that sort of the kind of the initial idea of what you wanted to do when you grew up?
1: You know, I, it's interesting you, you look back because it's been so many years now for me, but when I was doing it, I thought, yeah, I'll do this. I'll be an advocate. I, I didn't know if I'd be in politics, but I figured I'd be near politics, yep. uh, advocating, lobbying for issues, fighting for the good. Um, I, I always had a disdain that we couldn't take better care of our planet or protect our people better when there was certainly – either guidelines or rules or technologies that could protect people, and, and why weren't we doing that? Yep. And I, you know, I was truly of a liberal mindset, and I still have quite a bit of a liberal mindset. I thought, we can do better, and if we could do better, we should do better. Yep. I, it's interesting, once I left that, I, I never have gone back there. Right. I still have compassion for those issues, but I, I spend none of my time on those issues and I watch other people do it and I'm thankful that they do.
0: So let me ask you this question from another angle. Are you today in your career where you thought you would be when you were younger?
1: <laughs> wow, this is more interesting than I thought. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all and I had no idea where I'd be. I yep. mean I really didn't. I I could never envision first of all that I'd have my own business Yep. Um, and that I'd have a business doing what I do now I think I would have smiled and said, well, how would you ever create that? Yep. What do you know about that? Uh, but I had no interest in being, having my own business. I, I only have my own business uh, out of a couple, a couple of varied steps that happened. And then before you knew it, I had a small, small business. Right. And then it grew. But I had, no, I had no problem working with someone else. In fact, I thought that was great working for someone else and have them worried about all the administrative financial things in life
0: what was the earliest idea you had of what you wanted to be when you grew up?
1: Oh my, I don't know. My mom told me I should be an accountant or a dentist because they made a good (laughs) living. (laughs) And we had some neighbors who who had nice houses that did that. I never was so good at math, so I figured that wasn't going to happen. And I didn't find any attraction to dentistry. Um, I don't know when I I knew what I was going to do. I can tell you this. um, In college, I even struggled with what should I do. I was a year into college, and my parents are paying my way. So they were paying a lot of money for me to go to college. And I was at a liberal arts school in Massachusetts, and things were going fine. I was doing well in school, and grades were good. Yep. And I told my parents, I, I said, I think I need to drop out for at least a year, yep. work, and figure out what I want to do, because this costs too much money, and I'm just taking these silly little courses, and they they have no real purpose to me. Yeah. And... I was ready to drop out because I thought, it's just, we're wasting money. And my dad gave me the best advice anyone could give, I think. He said, go to school and learn how to think, learn how to write, learn how to reason. And he says, I don't care what else you learn. If you learn those skills, those will take you wherever you go. And, and with that advice and, and you know, pushing from my parents, I stayed in school with just the goals of, I'm going to learn how to do those things. And I graduated with a liberal arts degree. My major was geography, which probably sounds ridiculous, but majors in geography, which is which is a real career for a lot of people and they do important things. But I had no interest in practicing that. Right. And I I spent some time improving my writing. So I had kind of a minor in writing, but nothing that I thought would transfer to a real job. And even when I graduated from college I had no idea what I would do
0: with my life. And so when you're taking these geography courses and writing courses and you you're you're not um, you know that this is not where you're gonna end up. Is that a struggle?
1: It was for me. I Maybe mean, yeah. for sure it was a struggle. I mean I would have felt much better if I felt those courses tied to something that I was passionate about and I didn't have that early enough in life. I have incredible compassion for young people that are going to college, and college is now four times more expensive or five times more expensive, and they now need to make that college pay off, otherwise they are paying or their parents are paying way too much for just a chance for them to get some education on various topics.
0: Right, right. It, it's
1: tough. It is tough. I'm not, I, I think we've got to find a better way to get people introduced to more things so they'd have a real idea. What would they like to learn? Yeah too expensive just uh, for the recreation of learning.
0: So you reach this moment in your 30s where you're introduced to this kind of organizational change mm-hmm. co- concept. Yeah, Talk to us about what does that transition start to look like? What steps do you take to navigate yourself in a different direction?
1: You know, I'm, I'm glad you asked because people have asked me that before. In my story, I don't know if it applies to everyone, the beauty of my story is I was single and I had few expenses. Yep, um, Very interested in how people do it when they have children and mortgages and ex- other expenses. I did it when I had just to pay for my my small one-bedroom apartment and me and some right. food. Right. And I was working at one of the global PR firms at the time, and I decided I was going to make this leap, but I didn't know how to do it or what I was going to do. And I actually went part-time at my company. Yep. So I went there, I worked part-time, and then the other part of the time I worked as what I'll call as an apprentice at two different consulting slash training companies which paid me virtually nothing but something but they gave me experience and awareness of what was going on and how you have to do it and what it really looks like in that world and i did that for three months i worked part-time my company was willing to do it maybe because i had i was running a large account for them and to have me just walk out would probably be too problematic and i had provided them a solution i said i will do this part-time take a salary cut I will train the guy below me to become me, and so I showed them a path that they that was acceptable to them. Yeah, I don't think they thought I was really going to leave. And three months later, I came and said, "I need to make this break, and I need to go, go jump in full, you know, both feet." Yeah, and, and that's when I made the break. But it was uh, it was a lot of small steps. If I was giving advice to people, I would say take as many small steps as you can. Big steps are challenging, scary and financially maybe risky, I took as many steps as I could. And I think for everyone, in my work I do a lot of coaching, I work with people on what are all the small steps you can take if you can't take the giant steps.
0: When you say you you took all these steps, you started training this guy, um, and then you jumped in full force, what did you jump into?
1: You know, I didn't jump into anything that was certain. I just at that point knew, okay, this career interests me. And what I wanted to do was cut off all the exits so I couldn't fall back. I, nice. I, re- I remember very fondly, I met with the guy that ran our firm and I sat down with him and said, I said, I need to leave. And he said, well, you know what? You always have a, a home here. If you want to come back, whether that's in three months or in six months, you have a place here and we have that spot for you. Yeah. He goes, I want you to know that. And I looked him in the eyes and I said to him, I said, I can't have that. I need to know that I'm going and I need to make it. Yeah. And he paused and he was silent. And then he said something that was the most impressive thing he had ever said to me while I worked there. He said, that's what I would have done too. He goes, good for you. Yeah. Because I knew if I had the safety of, oh, you know, it's kind of rough. It's not working out. Let me just go back to my old job. I'll make more money. I'll be security. I might take it. And I wanted to know it wasn't there and I have to find a way to make it. Yeah. It was scary for me, don't get me wrong, it was scary, but to cut that cord was great. Uh, I'm always reminded there's a great story, it's a true story, when Cortez um, invaded Mexico, yep. he came to the new land, as all his men came across on boats to, to the shores of Mexico, he had his crew back at the boats burn the ships. Yeah, And, and he, as the men looked back and they saw the ships burning, they realized... We're going to have to fight for our lives here. There's no turning back. Right. And in in some strange way, I felt the same exact way. I don't want to have the back door open because I might flee from it. Close the door, move forward, go figure out what you want to do. And And that was really what I wanted. But at that point, that was a big step. That was not a small step. I had taken many small steps to get closer to that.
0: Yeah, so you closed the door. What were you actually doing?
1: At that point, I still had relationships with these two training consulting firms, and I was, even though I was 30 years old at the time, and I thought I was quite the little professional, I was the junior-most guy. I mean, I knew nothing, and I just tried to learn from as many people there as possible. I went to meetings. I went to trainings. I tried to be a sponge, and because there wasn't enough work for the junior-most guy, both of these firms said, you need to get some of your own work. Not with them, but your own work. And so I found ways to get little tiny assignments from friends of mine. And those little projects gave me confidence. And they taught me that I, I have an aptitude. And they helped me develop things that I had never developed before. Yeah. And in a short period of time, I realized, wow, I do have an aptitude here. No wonder I'm attracted to it. And I'm good at this. That led to some more work. And before you knew it... I had a little business, and, yeah. at that, and at some point I said to the companies I was apprenticed to, I said, I'll still be in relationship with you, but I'm going to do my own thing. And they were like, that's perfect. That's even better for us, because they weren't looking to hire me. They were looking to have people they could bring in as they needed.
0: So to get a little bit tactical here, how did you actually go about getting business for yourself?
1: You know, it, it started by just me having conversations with people that I knew and trusted and told them what I was doing. A number of my friends from the PR world had said, what are you doing and how's that going? Yeah. And one of my, my good friends ultimately said, hey, my wife works for this small health care agency and they need some training. I'm thinking maybe you could do it. Now, it was a huge guess that I could help them, but my friend Believed in me and assumed that I would do it well because I had done other things well. There's no reason he should have thought that, but he did. And I actually just started doing work for this small healthcare agency, and I knew nothing. I mean, I made this stuff up. I, I went to the library, gleaned from books, wrote a workbook, came and trained him on it like I knew what I was talking about. They responded well, and I thought, wow, this is this is actually working. Yeah. And I mean, I, I went to I went to seminars to watch how other people did it. I, you know, I wanted, I, I did everything I could nowadays with the internet. I could have seen all this from my computer screen, Right. but back in the day, there was no internet. And so I had to physically go and learn this stuff. Now it's easier to glean this. Right. And so I took small steps like that. And then, um, you know, I started doing some more work and I, I knew more and, and I just kept my community, the people that I knew aware of what I was doing. And I, I can't even remember all the steps, but there must have been thousands of small steps that led to big steps. Yeah. And it really was so many little things along the way.
0: So closing the back door, making these jumps, you have a pretty um seems like a pretty healthy relationship with fear. Where does that come from?
1: <laughs> I do have fear. <laughs> yep. I do have fear. I'm just not willing to let that stop me from doing what I want to do. So I, I I experience as much fear as anyone else. And at this point in life, I've known when I've stepped into it, only good things have happened. Yeah, um, But doesn't mean I don't have trepidation and cautiousness and sleepless nights and all that. I still, I, even today I do, but I just, I won't let that get in the way. And, you know, even in my coaching work, I deal with lots of people who have fear and you know, a lot of it's just—I mean, it really just exists between our ears, right? Yeah. And the more we can see that, the more we realize, hey, it's the other people do this, and other people find a way. So why wouldn't you? You're—you're you're energetic, you're smart, you're driven. You'll find a way, and yep. so fear doesn't usually become the—the—the the, the object in my world.
0: Let me ask this question from another angle. On a scale of zero zero to ten. Where zero is a total non-issue and ten is a big, dark, gloomy shadow, how large a shadow would you say that financial considerations have had over your career path to date?
1: Well, I'll tell you. When I first did this, it was a a decent-sized shadow. I had planned to save. I'd saved money for a while to try to plan. Could I cover myself for six months if I had to? And I wasn't making a great deal of money back then, and but I did save enough, and I figured if I make not a penny, I can get through six months. Yep. At that point, I'll have to <laughs> move home or sleep in someone's bedroom next on their floor. I didn't know what I was going to do. It, it loomed pretty large. I would say it was probably in the uh, eight or nine range. Yeah. And then after that, I when I started having clients in a business, I have fewer financial concerns now than than I ever did when I worked for someone else
0: yep yep um, can I ask what is it that your parents did or do
1: yeah so my parents both are long retired yep and my dad was an electrical engineer uh, incredibly logical smart guy that always had answers and could think through things he I am not an engineer at all and my mom was a bookkeeper, so she was organized and took care of money and could track things very well.
0: Yeah, and what impact would you say they've had on your career or your decision-making processes along the way, either explicitly or implicitly? Well, my
1: dad, first of all, that great advice in college, yes. go learn to think, write, reason. So that was incredible. My parents felt different ends of the spectrum. My my mom was much more cautious. I remember when I was going to leave the PR firm and go into this training and development function her concern was but honey it's not a good time and the economy is not so good and maybe right. you should wait and i heard that but i was like you know what i said mom it's my time and i got to do it now because if i don't do it now i'm gonna get stuck yeah i'll, I'll have too much the inertial to be too big and my dad was like yeah give it a shot what do you got to lose he he didn't have the fear so my on the career front my dad is much bolder and even in my business my dad always gives me recommendations you know he's a fairly frugal guy when it comes to money, but if it had to do with spending money on something that would make me better, yep or buying equipment that would make me faster or you know whatever reduce stress on me, he 's always been about invest in that yep and so my dad's been a good encourager on that side to to invest in the things that you really care about and that would pay back
0: Daniel, thinking back on your career to date and life and thinking back on your friends, family, and colleagues uh, throughout the years, is there a consistent thread in the type of advice or counsel that people have sought from you?
1: Wow. I don't know. I don't think it's a consistent thread. Uh, in the nature of my work, people now actually seek advice from me based on what I do. Right. So I'm, I'm approached by every which way, people are struggling with work-life balance, people struggling to get a better raise with their boss, people struggling with where do I go next, what should I do? Right. So I don't know if there's one theme. I will say the one thing that's in common is they all want someone to really hear them and understand them. Yep. And usually if I start with that premise, I ultimately end up in a place where I help them gain clarity. Whether I assist them to do that or not, I don't know. But by being present with them, it often becomes clearer to them.
0: Where does this aspect of you come from?
1: You know, it's, I'll tell you one thing that's really interesting. I remember distinctly, I have an older brother and a younger brother, and when I was a kid, my little brother would ask my older brother for things, and I, I called it advice. And I remember I had this little temper tantrum one time, I, I don't know how old I was, probably 12 or, or in that range, and I said, how come no one asked me for advice? Right. And I remember thinking, like, I want someone to ask me for what I think. And it was really interesting. I, I had a desire to be of assistance in that way, but I, I, no one was asking me. Right. And then here it is years later. Now I am in a world where people seek my advice, even when I'm not interested in them seeking my advice. They ask me for my advice. Right. And I don't know if I created that or that was in me and just had to get unlocked. I don't know.
2: Yeah but i'm
1: not I don't have high ego it's not i don't want to talk to someone and tell them my advice because I want them to think I'm smart, I could care less it's I just like to help people, yeah, and I found that's an area where I help people
0: yeah, and what is um when you are giving advice and you're helping people, what does that actually feel like to you? I have
1: no idea what it feels like um, I guess I'm so focused on them yep i'm not i I know what it feels like later. It feels rewarding later, yep. but in the moment, I don't know what it feels like, I'm, yeah, I don't know.
0: Looking back on your career to date, what's been the biggest aggravation of your journey?
1: I don't know that I've had an aggravation of the journey. Um, I've enjoyed the journey and the people along the way for sure. I certainly have plenty of aggravations In my job, because my job is, I do so much of my, so many aspects of my job, and there's many parts of my job that are all-consuming and sometimes, from a time point of view, overwhelming. Yeah. But none of the journey has been frustrating for me. I I always felt like I had a pretty good idea that I was, I was going to be happy whatever I do, and as soon as I wasn't happy, I was willing to move on. And so I had done the the cartoon writing, and that was good for a while, and then I decided oh, I'm going to get out, and I did. Yep. And then I got into the PR business, and that was interesting and compelling for me for a while, but then I decided I, I really wasn't getting enough from it, and I knew I was going to move on, and I did. So I, I had a good personal track record for not staying if it no longer returned to me.
0: When you're having those realizations that this isn't working for me, what, uh-huh. what what's happening? What is the... What is the metric that's getting, you know, what's the threshold that's getting pushed?
1: Yeah, I'm waking up in the morning and dragging to get out of bed. Yep. Um, Having anxiety on Sunday nights that I got to go back to work on Monday. Yep. I am not tapping into things that matter to me at the end of the day. And even when I have success with a project, it doesn't have very much lasting, doesn't stay with me. And it's so fleeting. Those are the metrics that I knew right away.
0: And so your work today, when you're having successes, how, is that something you just carry with you now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. When I left the, the, the marketing PR world, I had been surrounded by so many people, and I thought, how am I going to live in a world? I'm an extrovert. How am I going to live in a world where I'm not surrounded by people and I don't have that interaction and feedback? And the funny thing is I get so much more feedback Much higher quality feedback. I interact with my clients instead of my colleagues. Right. And I'm thanked so much more than I ever was. In in the agency world, yeah, and I know you come from the agency world. You you might do great work every day, but it's probably not every day that you hear <laughs> right. all those kudos. You probably hear very infrequently, despite doing heavy lifting all the time, right? And for my clients, since I come in and I get to touch their hearts and I they get to see something unravel right in front of them, they will often thank me right there. Yeah, and that is very rewarding to me. And yeah, it it fills me up.
0: A couple more questions here before we wrap up. Sure. Um. Looking back, are there any career decisions that you would today choose to undo or somehow redo?
1: You know, I, I guess I could say, "Oh, I wish I got here sooner," but I don't know. I mean, each each of those roles was interesting. I learned so much in each of those other roles. Yep. And I don't, I don't think I, I don't have any hesitation. Like I wasted time here or there. I do know that I didn't stay too long in any of those. Yep. And maybe that that was a good thing. I, I moved on when I knew it was uh, c- clear. I have. Plenty of friends and clients that are in jobs or places that they no longer find rewarding, and yet they stayed there for a long time. And I don't know if they're trapped there just because it's financial or it's fear or what's getting in the way, but I see them and I go, wow, they should have moved on by now.
2: Right. And they're still
1: here. Right. Why is that? Yep. And it's, I would say to anybody, it's never too late. That Whatever that is, that's fine. So I don't care if you're 25, 35, 45, 55, 65 you could still move on now and do that next thing. And why wouldn't you? Right. You're living life.
0: Right. Love it. Um, yeah. And um, On the flip side, are there any um, career highlights that you would tout today?
1: Well, this current career, career I'm in now has been a very sustaining highlight. It still yeah. brings me great joy. I mean, I was, I was with a client last week And I was just bragging to my dad over the weekend how rewarding it felt to be part of this process and and to help do some things. So I often have these little peaks, and as long as I'm still having those, then I know I'm in the right career. When that flattens out and I'm just waiting for a paycheck, then I know it's time for me to move.
0: Yep. And so last question here, Daniel. Knowing what you know today, how would you advise your younger self?
1: I would say be as bold as you can, as soon as you can. You know, I, one of my favorite books is The Alchemist. I don't know if you've yep. read that or not, have you? I have. So the, uh, you know, one of the key themes in that is, the universe conspires to help you. And I have a real good friend of mine up in Seattle that reminds me of that, and we always say that to each other. But the universe really is there. If you, if you see what you want and you pursue it, you will find other connections that you never saw that were right in front of you, but they only appear. And I really do believe the universe will conspire to help you. But you've got you to gotta work with the universe. So you've right. got to put it out there. You can't just wait and hope it knocks on your door. And that's where the boldness
0: comes in. Love that uh, closing thought. Daniel Pitlick, really, really appreciate the conversation and the insights. Really forthcoming. Girl, it's been fun to talk to you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Our Authentic Careers with me, your host, Gerd Sabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating and especially your review of the show on iTunes would also be hugely helpful and very much appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a great guest, please, 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 please don't hesitate to reach out at our ourauthenticcareers.com.